And there we go. So we're on our Eid episode of Friday Night Counterattack. And again, this is a pre-recorded episode. So this is something that I've done way before Eid in 2021. So if you're listening to this, Eid Mubarak, and I hope you've had a good Ramadan going forward. For our conversation today, again, I've just invited a couple of family members onto the podcast. I've got my cousin from Chicago and my cousin from Leicester as well on our podcast. We've got Abedal and we've got Adil on the show. So thank you very much, both of you, for joining me. And today we're just going to be talking about the impact of Muslim footballers over the last 10, 15 years of us watching football. So I thought that'd be quite a fun conversation to have and look at how many more we've got going forward and how um, they are socially as well in terms of what they've done previously in terms of how they've progressed the game for Muslim footballers as well. So I thought that'd be a nice little conversation to have. And especially with the teams that we support as well, like Man United and Arsenal for Abedullah as well. So Abedullah, you've had loads of Arsenal footballers over the past and present as Muslim footballers. What would you say that what would you say that's kind of done for your team in terms of how they've changed their their way of thinking, really? Would you say it's changed their way of thinking, like the way fans think towards Muslim people? Um no, I don't I don't I don't think uh, many of the Arsenal football players have been, I want to say, extremely practicing. Uh, I want to say probably the most outwardly Muslim player we had was probably Ozil, right? Yeah, I would um, say so. Yeah. And, I mean, ultimately, I, I, whatever it is that Arsenal say that they released him for at uh, the end of his contract, I, I think it was the whole China situation that um, was the turning table for them where he called out China and he spoke out against China for their treatment against the Uyghur Muslims. <clears throat> Um, and he basically just put a post on Instagram, Twitter, and all his social media and just said, hey, this isn't right. He's like, we need to stop this. Um, we need to speak out against this. And then also uh, having, because they have such a huge fan base in Asia. Um, it's a huge moneymaker for them. So they were just like, oh, we'll squeeze you out. And, which I think is probably the biggest. Is, is, I mean, I've been an Arsenal fan my entire life, but that's probably one thing I'll never forgive them for. Because, mm. <laughs> uh, oh, Ultimately, even at that time, Arsenal was struggling for creative players. And you squeeze out probably one of the most creative players in the world. And I think that's very telling for where a club's, um, I guess, not only beliefs are, but what their moral standards are. I mean, ultimately, I'm still going to support Arsenal. It's, it's, unfortunately, it's, it's my fatal flaw. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think Ozil is probably the biggest Muslim we've had. I know... There's always been rumors of Thierry Henry being Muslim as well, but I've never seen anything about him that suggests it. Me neither. Um, everyone just saw him with the beard and they were like, yeah, you know what? You know what is converted to Islam. But I, I don't um, think that's true, personally. Yeah. I mean, we still have Granit Jaka, who, despite his stupid play today, actually, you know what? No, I'll, I'll give that one to Leno. I'll give, that was Leno's fault. <laughs> didn't clear it inside. This was regarding yeah. the Burnley game when they drew. Yeah. 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 And Jacko passed it to Chris Wood, who just chested it into the goal. Yeah, but yeah, this... didn't. It. No, he just came off his hip, not even his chest. He just did a little <laughs> dance move, and it went in one-one. Yeah. Really stupid. Um... <laughs> but yeah, that's what I appreciate about Mr. Ozil: the fact that he wouldn't compromise anywhere. Yeah. And the fact we've seen so many Muslim players kind of still advertising things on social media, and they're still very active on social media as well, like Mahrez, Salah, Muhammad, uh, yeah. yeah, Muhammad El Nenni, yeah. or Pogba, of yeah. course, but. Meza Ozil was defiant in his way of actually protecting uh, his protecting his beliefs, really, and really yeah, showing this. Is, 
he called them so, out and basically said, you know, you do what you want to do, but I'm going to say it as it is. I have a voice. Yeah. It's going to count. Yeah, and I respect him for that. I think... Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know how practicing he is, but he still he stays holds to his beliefs. He stays strong with, with his beliefs and such. Um, but yeah, same with El Nani. Um, I mean, El Nani hasn't really spoken out, but he always posts videos, videos of him uh, reading, reading Quran and stuff. I mean, that's always really cool. He's a crap football player. Um, <laughs> he's, he's, he's absolutely useless. <laughs> but I mean, I'm sorry. He's, you've, always, you've always got that memory of him scoring at the new Camp as well. So you've got that that's somewhere true. in your memory yeah, bank. That's true. <laughs> um, but I mean, he seems like a very practiced. He seems like a genuine dude. It's with Elneny as well. Do you think little things like that, like posting on his social media that is like is practicing and is uh, proud of his religion? Do you reckon that's something that's quite beneficial to like young Muslim fans around the world and young fans in general that it's okay to be who you are and you're not going to be defined by your religion, like we've seen previously with um, like obviously racist attacks we've seen online and racist attack from fans in the crowd and stuff. But personally, I think that would be quite, that's quite nice to see. Like even when yeah. you see like Christian players, like actually devoted Christian players. Uh, mm-hmm. promote their religion. I think that's quite beautiful because it shows that they're proud of their religion, really. I think it's quite different to, you know, when players post them singing along to songs and things like that on mm. social media and then get some players who post stuff like that. It's like worlds apart and it shows that it's normal to not, you know, listen to music and sing along with it or dance along with it while you're driving. Definitely. And I think I think one that does both is Paul Pogba as well. With Paul Pogba, yeah. you'll see him every Friday posting and, and talking about uh, Jumma and, and the importance of his religion. But you'll still see him doing like Pepsi adverts every now and then and dancing with Jaden Sancho just for yeah. just like the, the adverts and stuff. And that's who he is, really. He enjoys music. Yeah. He enjoys, um, obviously, just the fact that he's, he's a Muslim and he'll go to Hajj and Umar every now and then, which is brilliant. Yeah. You'll see him go every off-season or every other off-season, which is brilliant to see. And that's something that I quite love as well, the fact that with a, a black Muslim footballer at the time, there's so many of them at the time, but Paul Pogba and N'Golo Kante and Mane, for me, brilliant mm. players. And they've been brilliant players in the league for God knows how long, but they're kind of promoting Islam in a positive light as well. Like you were saying, Abedla with Sadio Mane, is such mm-hmm. a down-to-earth uh, Muslim footballer as well, that he'll still have, he'll still be humble, still talk to people normally. And there are obviously reports and like social media posts about him going... So just like the normal local masjid in Liverpool, normal local mosque and, and yeah. still praying. He'll take pictures yeah. of fans every now and then, which is great. But he won't turn up and be like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm at the masjid, like posting on social media and stuff. He'll just go discreetly. And if you if you guys remember, there's that time when N'Golo Kante uh, went to a fan's house after a game, after he went to a masjid. Um, yeah, I saw that. They invited him back for dinner and whatnot. What if, was it dinner or something other invited yeah, him for? It was, it was dinner and then they had a couple of games of FIFA as well. And Angola Kanto was just yeah. like chilling. He was like, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy to And play. to watch match of the day or something like that. <laughs> but just shows, just shows how down to earth down to earth he is. Yeah. And that was brilliant as well because it just shows that these are footballers that make so much, like X amount of money. They're known worldwide to millions and loved by millions, but they'll happily just keep to their religion, they'll keep to their beliefs and they'll keep to their principles and they'll still be generous with their neighbours and they'll still be generous, like figuratively neighbours as well. But you, you kind of yeah. get what I mean, that they're literally just there to carry on with their game and still come up with from their humble well-beings as well, which is, for me, I, I love that personally. I love when you see little posts on social media about that. 
And that's kind of where I'm going with this conversation with you, the fact that the impacts of social media and the impacts of what people see about these players, like Paul Pogba will always have haters and uh, Salah will always have haters for like diving or whatever, but they always want to practice and promote their religion in the best way. Mohamed Salah, not so much. I mean, that post about him <laughs> celebrating Christmas. Yeah. I can't, I can't support that. that. I can't support that. But I think, I think the, the impact that Salah and Mane had in Liverpool, it's like he changed the perspective of Muslims in Liverpool. You know, when they both came, they started being their best players. Yeah. They came Did up with songs about them. Didn't hate crimes in Liverpool against Muslims drop? Yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it kind of stopped massively, you know, yeah. because because of those two. You know, they came up with songs about being wanting to be a Muslim as well. Yeah, yeah it's like, take me to the masjid or something like that. I forgot. The, yeah, something like that. <laughs> exactly. So it, that, they, kind of, they kind of changed their perspective on how they look at Muslims and how they view them as well. Because when we were growing up as kids, the only two Muslims I really knew about was Freddie Canute for West Ham and Sevilla and Zidane Zidane. Yeah. Excuse but me. Zidane, Zidane as well. He wasn't like... Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't outgoing. He Muslim, was he? Yeah. No. That's, that's what he I'm saying. Like, Sorry, carry on. He'd never show it. He'd never show it, you know, to the public or... Well, social media wasn't really a thing back then. But even then, like, on, on the pitch, you'd barely see anything about him. Like, you know how Salah and Mane do the... Uh, do the celebration when obviously they're, they're yeah, bowing and, yeah, and what. Yeah. But with Zidane, you'd never see that. You may have seen a uh, du'a or something before, but you would never really know because like Christian players do that and other religious players yeah, do that as well. Yeah. And that was but the Kanute same with... Canute, you'd see it. And that's why it's like a big kind of cult hero for me when he was like growing yeah. up in the Premier League and you see him like uh, coming onto the pitch and you know how uh, Christian players do the, their ritual when they walk on the cross. Canute would yeah. always like pray to himself and that's something that, as kids, when we were growing up, we were like, oh, wow, there's a Muslim footballer for West Ham United in the Premier League. And that was amazing for, for me to see, personally. And I remember, yeah. like, everyone in our family and a couple of our cousins saying, oh, Zidane's a Muslim as well. But I'm like, I can't believe it because you wouldn't see it. You wouldn't understand it properly. But that's what I'm really happy about, the, the benefits of social media from these players at the moment. Because like you were saying about it, the fact you can see people posting about, like, uh, it's Jumma or they're praying at the moment. It's yeah. little things that people can learn and aspire to kind of follow in a way, which is brilliant. It's a really good influence, I'd say. The other one I was going to say, we were talking about, is Frank Ribery as well. So Frank Ribery, as we've seen yeah, previously, was... uh, there's that clip of him after the, they won the Bundesliga title. And I think mm. it was David Alaba that was chasing him around with a uh, yeah. big jug of beer. Yeah. And he just kept running away. He's like, no, I'm a Muslim. I can't, I can't have this on me. But he still got sprayed annoyingly, which was awkward to see. Yeah. But that was quite yeah. nice for us to kind of see growing up as well. The career of Frank Ribery from Galatasaray in France and Bayern Munich. And again, it was just him being a Muslim and it was him showing everyone that well, he's unapologetic yeah, about it, which was brilliant. Same with, uh, what was his, Yaya Toure. I think, uh, I think they had to change the Man of the Match awards as well because of Yaya Toure, didn't they? That was yeah, a big yeah. impact in British football at the time. Do you want to just remind us about what happened there? Uh, if I remember correctly, I think they used to serve a bottle of champagne or wine with the Man of the Match yeah. Award. Yeah. yeah. And the guy was like, I, well, I can't drink this. I'm Muslim. Mm, um, yeah. I don't know what they changed. I forgot what they changed it to. But the, it, was it, was like a little, it was a little trophy. A little yellow trophy. Oh, okay. So, yeah, they changed the whole award. Yeah, just because he couldn't, he couldn't drink and it was against his religion. And because it was a live interview as well, 
Um, when yeah. you were when you're watching at the time, it was Man City oh, yeah. versus someone. It was probably get maybe in Aston Villa, like a couple of seasons before they won the league. Or, but then it was literally just there, like, yeah, I can't drink. So, like the the interview was just there, like stumped. It was like, what am I going to do with this this bottle of alcohol? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that's why they had to change the award because they, they, he couldn't accept it with the bottle of champagne. Mm. And that's something that, again, that's that's taken huge strides for Muslim footballers as well because nowadays we see so many of them, which is brilliant and it's it's quite lovely to see. But it's the, it's in hindsight we kind of see it more from like foreign countries, like from uh, from Africa. Sorry, the continent of Africa. We've seen a lot from Europe coming through as well, which is which is yeah. great and. It's just through kind of British football, we kind of can't, we haven't really seen that current at the moment. Like we mentioned before, uh, Hamza Chowdhury, probably one of the few British Muslim footballers coming through and is in the Premier League with Leicester City at the moment. But at yeah. the moment, no, there aren't really many coming through, which, is, which isn't great for us. But we always get to kind of see these other talents coming through from other countries as well. So uh, hopefully that's something we can see in the future coming forward as well. More British Muslims yeah. coming through. And kind of enjoying the benefits of playing Premier League or Championship football or top European football, I would say personally. I think that'd be mm. quite nice. It's good that it's such a big foreign influence, but you'd like to see more of a British influence of Muslim players in the Premier League. You know, foreign yeah. we have we have a huge influence of foreign Muslim players from from everywhere, basically. It's not just you know France, France. or Germany or I don't know. Algeria. Places Egypt. like that, but this like yeah. there's like many different countries they come from. And are you but seeing the one that? thing I'd like to see is British, the British influence increase. Because the 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 impact that that player would have would have such a positive impact on like the young generation coming up. And I keep saying that, but that's literally why we're kind of talking about British footballers and British Muslim footballers coming through because they'd have such yeah. a big impact on. Um, literally just players coming through and following inspirations. And if you've seen, I bet you probably won't know, but like in, in cricket on our side at, over the pond, we've got two really big uh, English cricketers, Moeen Ali and uh, Adil Rashid, who are World Cup winners. So I'm not sure in terms of on your side of the pond in like American football or basketball or uh, hockey or any other American sports, have you got anyone like that? Kind of like an American sportsman who's a Muslim, who's like, born and bred in the States? You have a couple, but they're not born Muslims. Most of them are converts. Okay. So you had a basketball player from the 90s, Mahmoud Abdul. I mean, he was a great basketball player. Um, who did he again, play for? He, I can't remember who he played for. Um, but in the Rockets, Houston? Some West Coast team, I think. But he, I mean, he's another one who was, uh, his career was... Uh, he, he was more or less blackballed by the NBA because he wouldn't stand for the pledge of allegiance, the national anthem. Oh, um, okay. So he was, he was the OG Colin Kaepernick. Mm. Um, but now most of his work is throughout the Muslim community, um, throughout the country is just, he gives talks and stuff like that. Um, I listened to him once at a university near my school. Mm. He's a decent, um, he's a good guy, still super quick. Um, I mean, when you look at him, when you look at him, you're like, this, yeah, this guy's an athlete. Uh, <laughs> did you, did you play um, against him? Did you get no, to, no, did you get to face it, him? It was funny. I didn't get to play against him or anything like that, but just his movements, mm. like on, he was doing, he was just, uh, uh, he was basically 
doing basketball like he was doing crossovers without a ball and stuff like that he was just trying to he was talking and he was just giving an example of something and you look at his movements and you're like that's insanely quick like um but yeah even at his like age of like 45 right now like he's like he could still tear apart anybody um but yeah he is probably the biggest muslim influence i mean obviously you have muhammad ali um, of course what about players like what about players like uh Ennis Cantor? Um Ennis Cantor does I mean he does get a lot I of mean, social I mean he's Turkish, he's yeah every political views are he's spoken out against Erdogan. Um yeah. he's said, like his father can't leave the country if his or his father can't go back to the country or something. I can't remember. But there was when he was playing for Oklahoma, he was uh fasting during Ramadan. Um, or not, actually, no, he fast during the on during the playoffs. Mm. Um, did mention it on air and stuff like that. Like, oh, he fasts from morning oh, or from sunrise till sunset, and that includes water as well. Um, and the announcer said that, and they're like commending him for that. What just that, that was really cool to see on national air. Um, and there was also like reports and articles over him. Um, because uh, he, he is Turkish, and Turkish, they're, I mean, Turkish Muslims, they're very well known for only eating halal meat and halal food. So when he was in Oklahoma, he requested that he only, he's only served halal meat by the team. So then a lot of his teammates, they were like, yo, this halal food's like really good. Um, but I, was, <laughs> I, I don't vibe with halal meat, it was Kevin Durant. Um, so that's always funny to hear. But yeah, this guy's like Ennis Cantor. But again, he's not, he's not American. He's Turkish. Yeah, he's not American. It's foreign influence. It's the same as here. with the, the foreign influence. Yeah. You know, you don't get the British influence. That's what you want to see. Yeah. I can't think of any, like, American, uh, uh, born American Muslim or born Muslim American athletes, I should mm. say. Um, there's another one recently who converted, Steven Jackson. Um, he was a great basketball player. He's, he's, recent, he's retired as well. But he's also huge on social media now. Or um, he, has a, he has a really active social media. And he's always he always has outreach programs and stuff like that for the mostly for the black community, um, but obviously since he's Muslim now he reaches out to the Muslim community and he appeals to the Muslim community as well. I can't really think yeah again I can't think of any born Muslim American athletes. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like with with rugby as well. Again, it's another sport. We're going off topic today, but with the New Zealand rugby team, you've got Sonny Bill Williams and you've got another New Zealand rugby player who's converted to Islam as well. So again, it goes to show that a lot of these uh, players are actually seeing the benefits of um, literally just learning from from online, from learning online from other people, and they've, they've highlighted that in like interviews and stuff. They said that I've learned from other people, and they've learned the mannerisms of how to be um, a Muslim. Like you, you get that from Khabib as well in the UFC, and you see yeah. how you've seen how people kind of appreciate Khabib that his he's not drinking alcohol, he's not getting sponsored by anyone. That's like not like a haram sponsor in a way like betting or alcohol or anything like that in terms of advertising and, and also the fact that he, the way he speaks it promotes who he is as a muslim yeah. you know Beeb's he a... says things like bismillah and alhamdulillah and, you know allahu akbar and things like that and that's something that everyone kind of knows nowadays because of that's how that's how he is in press conferences and you yeah. see that all yeah. over social media which is brilliant and, uh like, like people kind of know what it means as well like everyday people kind of know what it means which is really fascinating and quite fun to see as well because you're just there like 
this is mm. like our religion, but they can people can still accept it as a, in a positive light. It's not always yeah. Islam's in a negative light, and Islam's in a in a bad light as well. Like yeah. prime, prime example for me was when France won the World Cup, and you <laughs> saw like the streets of France just filled with just every color under the sun, basically. And a lot of the players in that team were Muslim as well. Paul Pogba and Golo Kante. Uh, as a team, Muslim. And most of the team, Benjamin Mendy. Yeah. Is Mendy Muslim as well? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Musa Silko, who else was there? They have well, a lot. Benzema and Ribéry were retired or they weren't in the squad, but they're also Muslim as well, which is, yeah. which is crazy. But you kind of see that this is, they're all following these players throughout the whole tournament and you're just there like, this is ridiculous because mm. like, I remember going to Paris a week after they won the World Cup and the main masjid in Paris, I think you've been as well. But mm-hmm. the main masjid that was there, that was just packed. There were people just there filling the masjid, looking at um, Islamic artifacts. They were learning about the religion. They were learning about Islamic culture, Islamic food. Like there's a little cafe in that in that uh, yeah. Parisian mosque as well. Like people were just queuing outside to kind of try, and it was brilliant because you were just there. Like there, um, these athletes are promoting our religion in such a positive way. It's brilliant because you're kind of seeing a change in how people see. Uh, Muslims and how they see yeah. what we're like as well and especially during Ramadan as the has kind of mentioned before everyone looks at us in weird ways oh you're fasting you can't even drink water you can't do this you can't do that how do you survive mm. how do you get on with it we're going to get all those questions coming up this year as always yeah. to different people yeah. as always which is annoying but you get on with it because it's, it's for the love of your religion really I think that the, the athletes they've kind of because they promote it you know while they're playing or training saying they're fasting most of the day it kind of alters you know the thinking of normal people that don't know what it's about yeah it alters their perception because it's just like um it's just like when you're watching in the premier league coming up this year ramadan will be during april and may so like yeah. the peak time of of the, year. the man of city season. Man City probably would have won the league by now. We're in March at the moment. But if in April they haven't won the league, I will be shocked personally when, <laughs> when, when Eid is happening. But still going for the Champions League, still going for the top four. You can be yeah. damn sure that Riyad Mahrez, Paul Pogba and Golo Kante will be fasting. Because sometimes yeah. they have, sometimes they haven't, which is fair. Um, but mm. in the World Cup of 2018, uh, I think, no, no. Yeah, it was in 18. I think it was 14. 2014. It was 2016. You were in 2016 as well, there's Ramadan as well. When they were yeah. playing in the heat of the summer in France and they're playing in the heat yeah. of Brazil as well. And it goes to show the commitment to their religion that they're not mm. going to compromise 90 minutes of football because of their religion. And if anything, a lot of them have said, fasting have made me stronger mentally and I've been more prepared for the games and stuff. And I thought that was, that was yeah. beautiful to hear, personally. But, you know, it alters the, the perception of, you know, non-Muslims thinking, you know, why do they do Ramadan? You know, it makes them weak or they can't do this or can't do that. Mm. The way they say it's like, it shows you can become stronger. They see it. Yeah, they think of it as a detriment. Like one of my friends, I'll I'll shout him out on this podcast, I'm not going to listen, but uh, one of my friends, Toby, did uh, did a fast last year. So he's a Christian man and he did a fast for once or twice last year probably more than that mm-hmm. i apologize for it wrong but he was like i understand what you go through on a daily basis for 30 days during ramadan and it's ridiculous how you yeah. get through it and these are during the summer times he had no he didn't have to do it he wasn't obliged to do it but he chose to do it to kind of understand which is brilliant yeah. and 
that's what I kind of love about, I, I shouldn't really say this, but I will. That's what I kind of love about Liverpool Football Club. When mm. you saw how Liverpool Football Club have kind of dealt with Mane and Salah uh, as Muslim men, they've, had, they've started a proper prayer room. They've let them go for prayers on time, not just during Ramadan, but during the whole season. Jordan Henderson yeah. and uh, Jurgen Klopp are big advocates of that, which is brilliant. Like yeah. Jurgen Klopp said last season as well, I think, he's saying that, oh, they, they're always allowed to go for prayer on time. We understand that it's their religion, that it's the, the boys have to follow their religion, but they're here mm. as footballers, but they follow mm. their religion, which is brilliant. And Henderson, I remember saying that, remember him saying that, yeah, we love that the boys are um, are teaching us about it as well, which is great to yeah. see. And Even their types of celebration was like kind of influenced where they didn't have any champagne. You know, when they lifted the trophy, it came yeah. after when Mane and Salah weren't there. That's a good separate away. I remember that. Yeah, I remember. You, I remember that happening. Like it's like they got to celebrate properly as a team, and then yeah. when they wanted to use the champagne, it's like Robertson and Milner, whoever was spraying it. Mane and Salah were away, which was brilliant to see, and I mm. quite love that as well personally. Um, Arsenal kind of really haven't had anything to celebrate recently as well with Mesut Ozil because no. he was out of the squad. <laughs> so um, I think yeah, even in the FA Cup team, he was out of the squad, wasn't he? When you won the yeah. FA Cup last season. Last season, yeah, but the three before that, he was he was in the squad. Mm. Um, but he, like I said, I mean, he, props to him for like always standing up for his beliefs and stuff. <clears throat> but I don't think he's very practicing <laughs> in a strict sense of the word. Do you reckon um, that more players should have should have kind of backed Meza Ozil there? Do you reckon they kind of still should have um, su- supported him in a way, or do you reckon it was more because they wanted to protect their? image and their identity do you reckon that was the right call to kind of just steer away from it i guess if the club doesn't really back us then you know why the other players yeah. you know they'd be like the other players i don't think the other players had the opportunity to back him yeah if it, was a media, if it was a media thing then i think all the players probably would have backed him mm-hmm. um but given that it was from the club um i i don't think the players were given the opportunity i think many of the players even if they wanted to uh, at the end of the day, it also would have just been like, you can't say that. It's a human th- tragedy that's going on and, and they're just like, yeah, we don't want you at the football club for Mesut Ozil. So it was just the fact that Arteta didn't really speak well. Personally, he's like, oh yeah, he's out for footballing reasons when everyone knew. Well, everyone most, knew. Pe- most people who, who are yeah, in the situation knew I mean, Arteta couldn't do anything right? I mean, Arteta played with Ozil. He knows how good he is, right? Mm. He knows he has, he has the quality to turn any Premier League game if he wants. I mean, to Tons say like... Ability. Yeah. To, to say that Ozil is just not fit to play in the squad or he's not... He, he doesn't have enough quality to play in the squad. He's not what we're looking for. When yeah. clearly what you need someone like Ozil, it, it's very telling for what... Not, I mean, it, it puts Arteta in a situation where the board and whoever it is, the, C executive, the executives, if they're saying, no, we can't let you play him because of his comments... I mean, Arteta can't do much, right? I mean, it's his first managerial job. He's, he's not going to do much about it. Yeah, he could only have done what yeah. he could have done, really. He did He did almost the best he could have done. He just could have really... He should have really been honest, personally. I was going to add something to the impact of Muslim footballers on society in Britain. Yeah, go for it. Go in for it. I went into that. Now, compared to what it was in, say, the 70s or 80s, you know, when they used to have xenophobic chants on the... Chip. Terraces, you know, yes. about people of colour going back home, you don't belong here, mm. you know, and compare it to how it's changed now with Salah Mane, for example, in Liverpool, you know, them chanting about 
wanting to be a Muslim, going to well, the mosque, the mosque. Praying, yeah, it's completely different to what it was, say, in our dad's time, Definitely. in the 70s and 80s. And it's it's not even like when they're winning or when they're scoring as well. It's just to kind of get their yeah. players up and yeah. running, which is brilliant. And exactly. You see that, that they're not they're not even like racist chants. That's the best thing about it. And everyone's yeah. like, oh, Hamza, you always complain about racism in football. I'm like, of course yeah. I do, because you see that everywhere in football. But a lot of racism people don't stand up about it. We see because of colour, but xenophobia was like you used to see you used to hear of it a lot in the seventies and eighties, nineties, early nineties. But it's, still it's kind there of as well. It's kind of fed its way out because of the impact of players, you know, that come in and have big change, big impacts. And if you look, and fans perceive Muslims. And if you look at how, if you look at the top European clubs nowadays, probably at least most of them will have at least one or two Muslims in their team, and you'll see that some of them will be more practicing than others, which is brilliant. And it's something that's kind of, it's brought that multiculturalism not across just European football but world football as well. That you'll see Mm. like Benzema at Real Madrid, you'll see Umtiti at Barcelona, and so on and so forth. And it's just ridiculous to see how people have kind of changed their way, which is ridiculous in the right way for me. You can literally see young people growing up and saying, I want to be the next Paul Pogba, I want to be the next Riyad Mahrez, I want to be the next Sadio Mane as well. And it just shows the humbleness in their in their qualities, which is brilliant. And it's, it's quite a good point that you raise there, that it's just been fed out, it's just been managed out in the best way. And it's not, yeah. it's not in our society as well, because you've got so many fans that are like Muslim fans going forward. You've got so many members of staff that are Muslim staff, like, Muslim doctors, yeah. Muslim coaches, Muslim scouts. Because I can't imagine what it was like going to a football match in the 70s or 80s or 90s. But when we go now, it's like you don't get anything to say, oh, you know, you're Paki, why are you here? Or, you know, go, you're a terrorist or anything like that. You don't get that. Prime example, when we went to Milan and um, we were we were there with those two other guys on my side of it. And they were just there yeah. like, oh, are you okay? Um do you find your way around Milan properly? And they were literally yeah. just being nice. Like they didn't even need when, to. They could have just carried on with their chanting and smoking, but they were literally exactly. being nice and comfortable with us, which was lovely. We didn't get we didn't get anything from the crowd there, you know, because mm. we were of a different colour or from a different country or, you know, with yeah. a beard or anything like that. Just carry on as usual and, and they love it. And it's the same with like a lot of my friends and family that have gone to like Barcelona or have gone to Real Madrid or... Um, hmm. just other countries as well. I think one of my friends went to Russia as well for the World Cup, which oh. was brilliant. And he got on really well. It was perfectly fine. But even at the end, when they scored and they started celebrating with us, it was like you know, we were just it wasn't an- like they left us by them by ourselves. Hmm. It was it was literally just there. Like we were just another Inter Milan fan at the time when I think there's a Cardi that scored as well for that game. That yeah, game, yeah, which was brilliant. Um, but yeah, that's just another thing as well. It's just a positive light going forward. And regardless of racism in society, it's, it's all here and well and good now. Yep. But yeah, just to, just to end the episode, I just wanted to know your kind of top five Muslim footballers of all time. So um, we can discuss it together. Like for me, one of mine is obviously going to be Paul Pogba being a Manchester United fan, big fan of mm. him and what he's kind of done for Man United at the time. I'm a big fan of how... He's kind of won the World Cup. He's won trophies for Man United and he can kind of do more for us. I'd love him to stay for another season, whatever happens. And regardless of what other people say as well, when he got injured against uh, Southampton this season, that was when our season was over. Our title charge and our kind of top four was kind of over. Again, I could look stupid in... Um, I could look stupid in, in April or May when this comes out. 
and we could be close or we could have gone in the final, but I don't think we would have been. But yeah, Pogba for me has to be in our little kind of group five aside uh, Muslim footballers of all time. Who would yeah. you pick? Who would you pick, Adil, if you had to pick someone else to join? If I had to pick someone else to join, I'd pick Eden Hazard. That's a good shout, actually. Eden Hazard has kind of been there, done that. It'd be ridiculous on a five-a-side with his skills and his low sense of gravity as well. It'd be yeah, someone that you'd be fouling all the time as well, which is crazy. Is, is Hazard Muslim or is he just... Bearded. Apparently so, he is. I mean, I've heard in interviews him saying stuff like that and stuff like that, but I never... Yeah. I was never sure. Because I've heard, Apparently like, I've heard Van Persie was Muslim as well. Van um, Persie's married to a Muslim woman. Yeah, he's married to a Muslim. But I'm not sure but if I don't he, think he actually is. is. I don't think he is one. <laughs> I mean, if he's married to a Muslim and he's not Muslim, that kind of... It's kind of sus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It depends. Are we looking? Are we looking just Premier League players, ex Premier League players, or are we looking Europe as well? Anyone, anyone's good. I'm happy. Anyone in Europe? Anyone, oh, anyone in world football that's represented a football team of any kind, it's perfectly fine. I can't really think sure. of many Muslim footballers that have been goalkeepers. I, I know Begovic that's, is one. That's what I'm thinking of. Which goalkeepers yeah. do we have? Begovic from Bosnia. Which Jekyll from Bosnia? Pjanic as well. <laughs> It, what about Handanovic? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Is Sami Handanovic a Muslim? I think so. Because we could I'd put him as a goalkeeper. Yeah, I'd, I'd go with him over Begovic. Yeah. I was a big fan of Begovic as well when he was at Bournemouth and Chelsea, but Handanovic is just a better goalkeeper into the line. Handanovic yeah. is a top goalkeeper. Quality keeper, personally. So, yeah, we've got Handanovic, got Paul Pogba. Um, and then in mid, as a defender, you'd have someone like Koulibaly or. Medi Benatia. You could technically put like Yaya Torre there, but probably he'd be a decent. Yeah, not, not exactly I, like a, I mean, a defender. In a, defender. In a five side, I'd have Torre in midfield. I've got I've put Pogba there as well. So oh, you, you put Pogba, Pogba in midfield. Do you put oh. Pogba and Yaya Torre together, or do you put someone kind of so. like Pjanic? I, you could put no, them I'll, both because Pogba can do what Pjanic does, and so can Yaya Torre. But then we've got Meza yeah. Ozil as well, don't we? Meza Ozil in his prime. That he was a different animal. Oh, prime Ozil is just... He was filthy. He was literally just like... I will never forgive Hi. Olivier Giroud. As a, as a neutral, I'll never forgive Olivier Giroud for messing up his assess, assist record that season when you were close <laughs> yeah, to winning the true. league. That was Ozil awful, would have had, he, would have had, he would have had about 35 assists that season if Giroud was... Imagine Ozil, Ari. Had... Oh, Giroud. my God. Oh my god, awesome. I, yeah, yeah, Wilcott to play with as well, which was awful. Which yeah, was awful. a better striker, I think. I think yeah. he would have got way more. But even that year, even that year, Sanchez was that was Sanchez's best year. Yeah, Sanchez and Ozil could Alexis. only do what they have done because I think you were yeah. three, four game weeks away from winning the league, and then it kind of just got capitulated over time, which wasn't great. Yeah, it wasn't fun. I remember after that Leicester game when we won two one, I was like, well, "Where did the league?" That Danny Welbeck <laughs> last minute header. Oh my god, I remember. Oh that. my god, my dad and I was jumping. We woke up the whole house. <laughs> oh, Obviously, man. over here it was like it was like seven in the morning over here. That's why it was a it was an <laughs> early kickoff in England as well. Yeah, so yeah, that's why it was early for you as well. 
But yeah, with with us um, I, for that season, I remember when we beat you three two and Marcus Rashford scored two. That was kind of when we were like, yes, we're kind of ruining Arsenal's pedigree at the oh. moment for the for the title. That was a fu- that was a fun part of the season. Do we pick Sadio Mane or do we pick Frank Ribery in so. the team? But who'd you go for, Sadio Mane or Mo Salah? I go for Mane any day of the week. I'd go, I'd go Mane over Salah any day. I know Salah scores, yeah, in a five side. I know Salah scores so many more goals, but Mane was. What what about Mares? Mares is one of the most underrated players ever. Yeah, I'd go Mares. Technically, you already picked Eden Hazard, haven't you? So you got our left side sorted. So you got. I mean, Mares plays on the right. You put Mares on the right. right. You got Mares on the right. You got Hazard on the left. You got Yaya Torre and Paul Pogba. But who would you take, Would you take? Would you take Mane or would you take Hazard? Or do we take out Handanovic out of goal? And you put someone else in, like another outfield player. A rush goalkeeper. Like Ozil. Like we've got Ozil, Yaya Torre, Paul Pogba, Hazard. And... Yeah, but they'd all be useless in goal. Yeah, but it's, it's like a rush goalkeeper, isn't it? So you could put yeah. like Yaya Torre there. He could just like save it with his long legs, basically. He wouldn't have a very good goalkeeper. Yeah, but look at, the goals out. look at... That's literally like a midfield five that we've got there. Pogba, Yaya Torre, Ozil, Mares, and Hazard. That's... Even if you look at the Premier League in the last 10 years, that would be a quality midfield to have going forward. Yeah. But then now we're just saying midfield fives, aren't we? What about a striker? Edin Dzeko. Edin Dzeko. Could easily put Mohamed Salah there. Freddie could Karen Benz- Benzema. Benzema's a good shout as well. But then we've, we've gone past five. Let's make it six then. Let's make it six. You, know, you six go for a six aside. We'll go mm-hmm. six aside. We'll add another number because there's so many to choose from as well. Defenders were just forgotten, like Kolasinac or Benatia or Mendy. We don't need, defenders. Uh, we don't need defenders in a five-a-side or a six-a-side. I don't know who else you could pick. You could put, you could put Koulibaly in there if you want a defender. No, no five-a-side no five is getting past that five midfield that we have already, which is ridiculous. <laughs> were, you, were, you, were you not kidding about the Supers? <laughs> Sorry, say again? Benzema, it's got to be, right? As our striker. I think so. So we've got yeah. Yaya Torre, Paul Pogba at the heart of midfield. Then we've got Ozil, Mares, Hazard. Mares uh, over Mane. Salah's not there. And Karen Benzema as our main striker. Yeah. I'm happy with that. That's a good team. That's a, that's a fun team. I might just like get like FIFA 15 out of somewhere and just like put all of these in the team when they're all at their Put peak. them all together. Put them all together and just be like, oh, this is amazing. This is sick. <laughs> If only FIFA 21 had that, that feature on Volta where you could actually customise oh. what teams you have. You have that on NBA, but you don't have that on Volta on FIFA. It's very boring. You have to be with the same yeah. teams. I've never played Volta, but I'll Volta's, take the word for it. It's quite boring. To you you need to play against someone on Volta. Otherwise, you're just... Oh, okay. to... It's like 2v2 pickup on NBA available. That's kind of what it's like. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I'd say that's a good way to end the podcast. So yeah, thank you very much for listening. Hope everyone's had a good Eid. Thank you both for joining the call and we'll speak to you soon. Take care. Eid Mubarak.